Pearl Church exists to express a sacred story and to extend a common table that animate life by love. A primary expression of our sacred story is the weekly sermon. If our sermons inspire you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully, would you consider supporting our work? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. Divine love, it is so easy for us to get stuck. Stuck in our ways of seeing and stuck in our ways of being. I pray and ask that you would open us this day to your ever unfolding love. Amen. And please be seated. This morning, we begin a seven-week sermon series titled Evolving Christianity. About this sermon series, we write, the notion of evolution precedes science. In its earliest form, evolution from the Latin evolutio referred to unrolling, meaning opening out or development. This idea that life, this world, people, and even consciousness are ever becoming is consistent with what we see when we look back at human history. Over time, earlier forms of anything that continues to exist has developed and diversified. With this in mind, this sermon series has three aims. First, it intends to explore the development and diversification of Christian thought. Second, we're going to trace the roots of contemporary Christian thought back to the ancient heart and way of Jesus. And then third, we hope to celebrate the evolution of divine love, which is always propelling humankind forward into ever more love and inclusion. Over the coming weeks, we'll begin by considering how deconstruction is a necessary part of this evolutionary process. And then we're going to take some time each week to trace a particular strain of Christian evolution, such as the inclusion and celebration of women in the queer community, work against racism, the prioritization of safety and vitality for children, the declaration of divine favor upon everyone, especially the marginalized, and nonviolent, non-dominion theology. Now, very clearly, right, as we look back at church history, we realize that the church has not gotten it perfect. There have been many mistakes and much hurt. And yet, as we'll see, Jesus' parable in Matthew 13 about this mustard seed growing and becoming and ultimately flourishing as all the birds of the air come to find welcome and safety in its branches. That, we believe, is, it is the divine dream that love capital L, love, is magnetically pulling everything toward. This morning, we're going to begin by noticing, and I, and I hope, uh, opening ourselves more fully to evolution that is at hand. A while ago, I heard from a friend that I haven't spoken to for about a decade. It was a great relationship, but like many relationships do, it had run its course and our lives were heading in different directions, and so our proximity to one another grew distant. Uh, The last time that we spoke, I would have said that he identified as a conservative evangelical Christian, and I believe he would have agreed. 
And then recently, we caught up in our backyard, my backyard, on our deck. Uh, it was one of those beautiful Sunday afternoons. There was just enough clouds to provide shade. There was a light breeze. It wasn't the suffocating heat and smoke. It was one of those great moments in Portland that you remember from the 90s. <sighs> we caught up for a bit on life, and then like conversations with old friends tend to do, right? They tend to go. The conversation got real honest, real fast. He shared that one of his children was on a journey of self-exploration regarding their sexuality and their gender identity. And as soon as he said it, I suddenly felt tight inside, like, oh boy, right? Like, this is why he wanted to meet. And I wasn't sure where the conversation was going to go. I mean, based on the last time that we spoke, I had an inkling of where it might go, and I didn't think it was going to be a very good conversation uh, for the two of us to have. But then word after word, like sentence after sentence, story after story, my eyes began to fill with tears and my heart began to soar as I listened to this beautiful human share his beautiful journey. And I was shocked. Rather than allow his perspective to shape his child's orientation, he asked questions. Rather than allow his lack of understanding to fill the relationship with his own anxiety, he read and listened to podcasts and met with parents and had, who had similar experiences and talked to a few experts well-versed in his experience and his situation. And rather than demanding his way or the highway, his parental love for his child moved him to walk beside, to explore together, and to provide support and care every step of the way. In the midst of all of that difference that went against his own learning, his own experience, his own conviction, he was able to and willing to open, to expand, to enter into a world of complexity. It was beautiful. But how? Right? Like, like how did this person that I knew who saw the world in a particular way become open to exploring other ways with generosity and curiosity? Like, how did he evolve? Question, how have you evolved? It's difficult to pinpoint, isn't it? I mean, you have physically evolved over time. There's no question that your body is different than it was when you were first born. But you've also evolved in your beliefs and in your values and in your thoughts about the meaning of it all, right? You are an evolving being. But how? How does this mysterious thing happen? Well, if you're anything like me, it's been a tapestry of life woven together by a conversation here and a book there and art over there and education and friends and experiences and moments again and again that have given rise to a new you. And to be clear, it's not actually a new you, right? Because you are still you. But it's a you that has transcended the old you. You know what I mean? And that old you is still very much a part of you. It is included. In fact, it's part of what gave birth to the you that is now you. But without a doubt, you are dynamic, not static. Without a doubt, you are fluid, not fixed. Without a doubt, you are a concrete expression of evolution itself. Every human is. Now, thinking in terms of Christianity, we see evolution everywhere. 
as we'll notice in this sermon series throughout church history, dogma, theological ideas, and ecclesiology, that is to say the way that the church goes about its life together, is ever-evolving. We'll see it clearly happening throughout church history. And in the Bible, there's this thing called trajectory in which we see the ever-unfolding progression of humankind. As we witness in this morning's readings from the Bible, from tribalism and fighting for, for this promised land that flows with milk and honey to one human family. But it's so much more. Throughout the Bible, we notice many evolutions. We see a progression from a focus on law to an emphasis on love, from a focus on obedience to an emphasis on grace, and ultimately from chaos, utter chaos and shapelessness in Genesis to a city of light and cosmic peace in the book of Revelation. In the Bible, there is a trajectory that is moving ever forward toward ever-increasing love. And while the process of evolution can be disorienting and scary, Jesus himself encourages an openness to its wondrous work. We talk about this a lot at Pearl. Like, for example, the word repentance. Jesus said it again and again and again. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And unfortunately, today, when many people think about repentance, they imagine a place called hell, and a person's need to pray a prayer so that they don't go there forever. But the word repentance actually means to have your mind changed. It's actually, it's actually a posture of how we exist in the world. And Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Not remain the same, not think the same, not continue on the same. No, have your mind changed. You see, according to Jesus, in order to comprehend and participate in a kingdom called heaven at hand, we're going to need an openness to evolving a willingness to seeing and thinking differently, perhaps even a delight in our own becoming. About this, in Jesus' late-night conversation with a Pharisee named Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Jesus told him, you must be born again, which would be really difficult for a Pharisee because their entire life has been about obeying all of the rules and keeping all of the regulations. Similarly, many religious people have been taught that faith is all about correct belief and morality management, which can make the thought of new thoughts really unsettling. And yet I believe that is the divine invitation. And then Jesus spoke these strange but honest words to Nicodemus about the process of being born again. How does a person evolve? Well, listen to what Jesus says. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. <laughs> so how do we evolve? Well, according to Jesus, it's like the wind that blows. Who can control that, right? We don't know where it comes from or how it occurs. <sighs> but when it does, right? Like when it does, when that wind of change from heaven begins to blow over our lives, and we've all felt those moments of change, the divine invitation is to open our hearts and souls like a sail on a boat which carries us to new ways of seeing and being. And this makes me think of the pinnacle of our Christian story, right? Which captures this intrinsic relationship between dying and rising. Death and resurrection, sun down, sun up. It's always death and resurrection. We sleep, we rise. Death and resurrection. 
We breathe out, we breathe in. It's a mini death and resurrection with every breath. Tied out, tied in, summer, fall, winter, spring, it's always death and resurrection. And so when the winds begin to blow and we can feel our hearts begin to open, like when the wind begins to blow and we can feel our minds begin to change, when a way of being and seeing begins to die, what if we were to not be afraid? What if we were to more fully rest into this reality, which is an openness to evolution, repentance, being born again, resurrection, life itself at hand? What if that's how we engage the change that we feel blowing over our lives? The other day I was sitting with our 18-year-old son, Asher, and we were discussing all of the changes that are upon him. And as an 18-year-old, there are many changes, right, at that stage of life. He was feeling a bit overwhelmed, a bit unsettled, a bit excited, but in the moment he was feeling a little more worried than excited. And related to a few of the changes, he said things like, well, if the timing were just different, or if I had a few more months before, Or, this would be better if I weren't, right? And as he shared, I got the sense that while he was wanting to be open to all of the changes swirling around him, he had in mind different circumstances and better seasons in his life for some of these changes to take place. And so, of course, this led to a conversation about existence, right? (laughs) Because that's where these conversations go. That's what this is about. And I loved, I loved this moment so much. And I would love for us all to love these unsettling moments so much. I asked him, Asher, what if life, like what if existence is bent toward your becoming? Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that it is with 100% certainty, but I found this question, this possibility to be incredibly helpful to me. And now I'm not talking to Asher, I'm I'm talking to you. Do, Do you see what I'm getting at? Like, we can spend so much energy fighting against what is happening in our lives. And when the winds of change are blowing, we can try real hard to make it go away. And yet that which is happening in each of our lives is, right? Like, that which is happening in each of our lives is what is happening. Which is to say what is happening is our very personalized experience of existence itself. And so what if rather than fighting, resisting, bemoaning, regretting, we were to rest into a way of seeing that like Jesus trusts that what is, is somehow, in some way, a divine invitation to our own evolution. Our repentance, our being born again, our resurrection, which is for us life itself. Well, that would alter our experiences of change, wouldn't it? Like... Like perhaps less fighting and more surrendering, less resisting and more acceptance, less bemoaning and more celebrating, less regretting, and and maybe even a little more hoping. Hope for our very own lives and what they're becoming. Because we're waking to a reality in which anything that dies, a thought, a being, a a a, a, a way of being a system, a relationship, a family system, a work system, all of these things, anything that dies is sitting right beside the thing that is being raised up. Resurrection and death are that close to each other. But the way in which this happens, 
<laughs> the way in which we become, that's a mystery, isn't it? Uh, have you ever heard of a birth plan? Yeah? Right? Like you're about to have a baby and you're supposed to put together a birth plan. A birth plan is the plan that a person has for how the birth is going to go. Of course, good birth plans have several birth plans, right? Because the birth plan never goes as the birth plan wants it to go. I'd like to say that again. Rarely does birth go by any plan that we've set for it. And as concerning or frustrating as that may be, it's actually okay because no matter how the birth plan goes, there's always a greater priority, which is the birth itself. Like That's the thing, right? The birth, not the plan, is the goal. And perhaps it's the same for our very lives. I mean, we all have these ideas, right? We have these ideas, we have these dreams, we have these paths that we believe we're going to go on and these things we're going to accomplish and these people we're going to spend our lives with. And that is the map. But then there's our actual lives, which are always unfolding. And by this, I don't mean, I don't mean to be uh, like in fatalism, right? Like everything is predetermined and therefore inevitable because we are very much in charge of how we navigate our own becoming. And so what if everything, the life and the death, the good and the bad, the sickness and the health, are our divine invitations to being born again and again and again? What if that's life? Of course, we may not approve of the birth plan, but the birth, that new way of seeing or being, that moment of intense labor called becoming, that is so human, so beautiful. That is the human experience into which we are invited moment by moment and season by season and year by year. Now, Taking a moment to shift from the personal to the collective, thinking beyond our lives to the life of the church, what if the winds blowing in our world right now is an opportunity to participate in the church's necessary evolution toward ever more goodness? Uh, to be clear, I'm not a numerologist when it comes to finding secret codes in the Bible or in life. But as Christians, we do find ourselves in an interesting time. In the first century CE, Christ was born. About 500 years later, in the 6th century, the Western Roman Empire fell. That was a pretty big shift. About 500 years later, in the 11th century, the church split into two, east and west. And about 500 years later, in the 16th century, the Reformation occurred. And about, oh, 500 years later, we find ourselves in the 21st century. Seemingly, every 500 years, there's some kind of cataclysmic shift occurring in the life of the church. Of course, the reasons why this happens varies, right? In the 16th century, there was the printing press, which rose to prominence in the Bible, which up until that point was only written primarily in Latin, which could only be read by priests who then had all of the authority, started to get translated into different languages, and people could hold in their own hands upon their own laps this sacred text. That was certainly fodder for what became the Protestant Reformation, for sure. And here we are 500 years later with the advent of this thing called the internet, which we're still trying to figure out, which among other factors has all of the norms stirred up. And right now, I truly believe right now a Christian reformation is taking place. This reformation is becoming less and less willing to accept incoherent truths. This reformation is becoming less and less willing to accept dogma that fosters violence and difference in the world. 
This Reformation is becoming less and less willing to accept faith that is animated by fear. And is this change scary? Yeah, it kind of is. Is it unsettling? Absolutely. Is it complex? Yeah, of course. Is it exciting? I think so. Divine? Well, what else could it be for it is what is, isn't it? Change is upon us, the winds are blowing, new birth is at hand. Earlier in the sermon, I mentioned Jesus' parable about a mustard seed growing, becoming, and ultimately flourishing as all the birds of the air come to find welcome and safety in its branches. I truly believe that the mustard tree is in a season of immense growth. It's happening right now. That tree is getting shook. The roots are deepening. The trunk is thickening. The branches are extending. The foul branches are being cut off. And welcome and safety are evolving, ever more evolving to align with the heart of God, who is love itself. My hope is that over the coming weeks, we will deepen into the ancient heart and way of Jesus. My hope is that over the coming weeks, we will celebrate the evolution of divine love in Christian life. My hope is that over the coming weeks, we will meaningfully participate in nurturing this tree that we've been handed into ever-increasing goodness until all people flourish. May it be so, and let us pray. Divine love, it is so easy for us to get stuck in our ways of seeing and being. I pray and ask that you would open us this day to the goodness, to the thrill of being born again. To accept that death is part of new life. To rest into our own and to this world's and to the church's becoming. We hope that this sermon inspired you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully. If you don't already support our work, will you begin today? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story.